Hey, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And as you're doing that, um, one of my favorite comic strips growing up and even today is uh, Charlie Brown, Peanuts. Yeah, a lot of good morals in that um, comic strip over the years. And one of the comic strip uh, days, Charlie Brown's sister Sally, you know, remember little Sally, she was struggling with her memory verse on st Sundays. Pastor Matt always has a, a memory verse for the kids, uh, for children's church. Um, well, this particular Sunday, Sally was struggling with her memory verse, and she was really absorbed with the thought of trying to figure out uh, where it was in the Bible. And finally, she remembered, she says, I think I got it. Maybe it was something from the book of reevaluation. I think that was it. Yeah. Well, she never did find that memory verse, but we should always read the Bible with the intent of reevaluating our thoughts, our words, our motives, and our actions, and make sure that all of those things uh, are in line with the truth of God's Word. Amen? So today we're finishing our Ugly Christmas Sweater series, and so far we've wrestled with all the ways that we've often lived with and allowed ugly thoughts and words and motives to come out of our, of our lives. Today I want us to look at reevaluating some of the ugly actions that we often choose. So during all the seasons, we have to be mindful of our actions. But Christmas especially, it feels like, is a season that we can make a conscious decision to bless people because of the blessing God gave us by sending Jesus to the earth. Amen? So we have this ability to live like Jesus, but often we end up acting like an ugly Christmas sweater. Now, this shirt started off this morning white. You probably saw it as I was walking around here this morning. Uh, it was a blank slate. But as you see now that there's words on here in the shape of ornaments, and these words are ugly words. They're ugly actions. There's harshness and there's hate and there's impatience and the like. And we'll go over all of these words here in just a little bit. And I hope that by the end of this time here today, that this ugly Christmas sweater will be transformed into a beautiful Christmas sweater. You know, we have the ability to live like Jesus every day. We have a choice to make, in fact. But it seems like too often we end up acting like an ugly Christmas sweater. So it's at Christmas time we often see this, this interesting dichotomy of humanity. We see the best of humanity, and we see the worst of humanity. Now, how many is going to maybe this coming Christmas, for example, which, by the way, Christmas is on a Sunday morning, as on a Sunday, I should say. And we're going to have Christmas service here on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., so I hope you'll mark your calendar. It's going to be December the 25th, Christmas Day, easy day to remember, 11 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock, to give you guys a little bit more time to get up and open presents and what have you. Uh, but I hope you're planning on coming here at 11 o'clock. We're going to have a wonderful service here of just saying happy birthday to Jesus and celebrating his day. But on that day, I find it interesting that as churches all across maybe the United States will have services. 
where we can have candlelight and sing about silent night and holy night and sing happy birthday to Jesus and be all reverent and wonderful and worshipful. And, and, and the very next day on, on, the, on the, the 26th when all the malls are open and all the after Christmas sales are, open, are, are, being, uh, are being presented to us that we frantically are pushing and fighting for those after Christmas doorbusters and arguing with all kinds of people and stuff. 24 hours between those two events, and yet, here we are. Or just to make it maybe even more present, how about this past Thursday, how we spent blessing God, and then this past Friday, we blessed out others on Black Friday. How about that? How can these two extremes happen all at once? The Bible says that there's two natures that are constantly warring against one another in our lives. One nature calls us to love people around us and to live humbly before others. While the other nature causes us to want to look out for ourselves first while pushing others down and away. This battle begins when we're very young. Even before we can speak our first words, you've seen it in babies, haven't you? Before they can say a word, they sure make their wishes known, don't they? Unfortunately, it doesn't just end as the child starts to talk because many of us that are 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 years old and it just continues on. It doesn't get any easier as we grow older. We just become a little more finessed at it maybe. But by the grace of God, and I'm so thankful for His grace. And by the Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful. How many is thankful for the Holy Spirit? His Holy Spirit living inside of us. We can grow to treat others the way that God would have us to treat them. As we said a couple of weeks ago, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So let's let that be our goal, amen? Because the world is in desperate need of such people as the people of God that the Bible describes us to be and calls us to be. So the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians to a group of people who are a lot like you and a lot like me. And that they were a group of people who were trying to figure out what it looked like to love people well in the light of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many knows that we serve a risen Savior today, amen? How many knows that He's coming back soon, amen? So in light of those things, we must live our lives accordingly with those two truths in mind. The sacrifice of Christ should have a profound impact on us as followers of Christ. His sacrifice should change the way that we live in everything that we say, in everything that we do, and in everything that we think. If not, if we're not truly changed by the things that we think and say and our motives and our actions, then, the, 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 then Jesus, all that he did for us, it's really never impacted our lives. We're never going to make the shift from being an ugly Christmas sweater to something more beautiful. Jesus came not just to save us from our sins, but to transform us into his image. You see, he's not just our savior. How many is thankful that Jesus has saved you from your sins? Amen. See, that's your savior. That's the savior part of his work. But he's also our Lord. And the Lordship means that we give Him permission to transform our thoughts, our words, our motives, and our actions daily into His image, to be like Christ. You know, maybe it's time for many of us to let our ugly actions become godly actions. And I hope that through these last four weeks that something has 
struck a chord in your spirit and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to start to do a work in you to bring you from ugly to beautiful. From that ugly Christmas sweater to a beautiful reflection of who Jesus is. The season of Christmas is really meant to be a time for us to slow down and reflect on the reality of Christ's birth and the reality of his soon return. Those are the two most important things in the history of mankind. Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. Because his first coming saved us from our sins, his second coming is going to save us from this world of sin for all of eternity, and he's going to make all things new. He's going to bring it back to how it used to be back in the garden. How many can't wait for that day? I hope that during this Christmas season, many of, it, many of us call it this time of Advent, where it's a time of reflection, where we just sit and rest and think upon and meditate and reflect upon the things that God has done for us by giving us his son Jesus. His birth, His death, His resurrection, and His soon return. Let's think about those things during this Christmas season, not what, what, what sort of celebrations that we need to fit into this tight schedule in these next 30 days. Jesus came first as a lowly baby, the first time He grew up, to eventually give His life for the salvation of mankind. I'm glad that's not the end of the story, though. Because he's coming back the second time. And I believe he's coming back very, very soon because the signs are all around us, folks. I believe he's coming back very, very soon. He's, he's going to return as the conquering king of kings. And as the conquering lord of lords. Not a baby in a manger anymore. And not a, not a, not a beaten, bloodied savior on a cross. And not a, not a dead corpse in a tomb. He's alive. And he's resurrected and he's returning as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he's going to come and make all things new. He's coming to catch us away very soon. How does that make you feel this morning? Are you excited? You see, when we think about these truths, it must change the way that we live our lives daily. The choices that we make, the thoughts that we think, the words that we say, our motives, our actions, everything that we do needs to be seen through those eyes of Jesus could come back at this very moment. And it changes the way that we look at things. It changes the choices that we make. We need to allow His first and second comings to alter our actions to become individuals who love one another well. You know, people do crazy things in the name of Christmas. I don't know if you realize this, but... There's a lot of Christmas decorations out there on homes. And those are beautiful, honestly. But some of them, oh my goodness, they just go way over the top. I got some pictures. <laughs> How about this next one? Oh my goodness. It's like, it's like Lowe's or Home Depot just threw up. And, and that's the result. How about this one? Oh my goodness. They spent a couple of bucks on that, do you think? And they spent maybe a day setting that up, you think? Or not? Don't show the next one yet. Because we have all of these crazy, these crazy things that go on. People just go way over the top. Normally, rational human beings cover their homes in lights. They buy too many gifts and all kinds of Christmas craziness. And then there's this guy. No, not that one. It's the, uh, that guy. There's this guy. 
If you know anything about movies, that dude right there is Clark W. Griswold. And he is the epitome of going over the top. Schedules change, attitudes change, budgets change, all in the name of Christmas. So as Paul is writing to the Colossians, he is making a plea for the followers of God to reorient their lives in the same kind of way, but not to the secular trappings of Christmas that this world has embraced. But instead, that we would reorient our lives and make this sort of drastic change, uh, that we'd be willing to be a unique and countercultural sort of, uh, 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 of people because of the love of God in our lives, because of what Jesus has done for us, that, that we would do what the world would do, instead that we would do it for Jesus, and that the world would call us crazy all in the name of Jesus. How many doesn't mind being crazy for Jesus? Amen. Amen. Now, we're not going to look at the book of reevaluation today. But today I'd like us to turn to Colossians as you have already done chapter 3 so that we can see how it can help us to reevaluate our actions towards others. So Paul is very persuasive in this book, telling his audience that there could be no more excuses for not living life God's way. In fact, Paul says that God expects it. And Paul says the very, these very words in chapter 3, starting in verse 17. He says, in whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Say that word with me, all. all. Say it again, all. all. All in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, whether word or deed, I'll just expand by saying in your thoughts and your words and your motives and your actions, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there's this long discussion that's led up to this particular verse in verse 17. We're going to unpack all of those things that he talked about before that in just a few minutes. But Paul is sharing his final thoughts with his readers in this one verse. Everything we do in life, everything, whether in word or deed, needs to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. Everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that we do, all of our motives, all needs to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How much of our life? All. How much of our life? All. all of it. All of our lives should be lived in the name of Jesus. So I ask myself this question, and I ask you as well, how are we doing with this? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably somewhere in the middle there. I need work on this. This is not easy, folks. What I'm saying here today is not a slam dunk. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's not easily done, especially in my own strength and your own strength. You know, if we were to look over the past week, over this past month, over this past year, how much of your life is lived based on your relationship with Jesus? How much of your all has Jesus had? What percentage of your thoughts and your words and your motives and actions are centered on Christ? I would say that more often than not, our actions don't look like Jesus and that they're rather selfish and they're rather self-serving. You know, Paul tells us to make sure our actions are reflective of the fact that we're grateful, that we're grateful for God's grace in our lives, that we're, that we're grateful. We give thanks to God for all he's already given us. How many is thankful for all that God's already given you? Amen? Amen? 
then we're more ready than as we're grateful to God in that way to treat others more with love and respect all in the name of Jesus. As we walk in that place of gratitude, then we're able to be more effectively loving one another. In other words, our gratitude towards God reflects our attitude towards others. Our gratitude towards God reflects our attitude towards others. The kind of intention it takes to wear an ugly Christmas sweater to a party or to church or to wherever you would be going is the same kind of intention it takes to live as God's people. Some of you chose this morning to put on some atrocious looking outfits. That was your choice. You could have said, you know what, I'm just going to wear just my normal, Christmas, my, my normal church outfit. And that's fine. That's your choice. Some of you, though, chose to wear some things that just really are sticking out. And it's a good thing because there's a contest coming up and you can't have a contest without contestants. You know, you just don't wake up each day in the same way saying, all right, today I'm going to have godly actions. You know, it's just an, uh, not automatic thing. You have to choose every day what you wear physically and also what you wear spiritually, in your attitudes, in your thoughts, in your words. You have to choose every day. In other words, you pick your outfit every day. Living the way Paul tells us to live is a lot like choosing a Christmas sweater. No matter what kind of crazy sweater someone chose to wear, they picked it. Paul writes to the Colossians and gives them this insight for the kinds of actions their lives exemplify. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. How many is God's chosen people? Amen? Is that all of us? Good. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Wait a minute. We're getting ready to put on some stuff here. Clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Those are five things right there that we're going to look at. And I don't know if you've noticed, but every single one of these right here, all around here, are the opposite of those five things. Now, by the way, the word clothe means to endue. Endue means to sink into a garment. It means to cover yourself. It means to take on the form of what you're wearing. Now, if you've ever been, I mentioned a football game a little bit ago. If you've ever been to a football game or any sort of sporting uh, event, they usually have mascots running around, right? You ever seen them? And then the, they're, they're, they're in the form of whatever their particular mascot is, a ram, a, a panther, a crazy, you know, 49 or whatever. They wear these outfits, right? And you can't see, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, you guys, there's a human being inside of that outfit. But you never see the human being, do you? You don't know if it's a man or a woman, old or young, uh, what color skin, it doesn't matter. You don't know. You have no idea even who the person is. You're looking at that mascot, jumping around, trying to bring up the crowd and get them all excited and representing their team in whatever way that they are. You have no idea that there's a person there. All you see is the mascot. That person disappears and is transformed into whatever the mascot is. We just came past... Uh, Halloween and there's a lot of people that wear costumes for Halloween and they they also are dressing up in different things that are that they want to represent whatever the case may be and you've probably seen some trick-or-treaters come to your house this they take on the form of whatever they dressed up like and, and and even this time of year 
I've never seen so many Santa Clauses in all my life. You don't see the person anymore. You see Santa. All these people are transformed into what they're clothed with. And the same goes with us in the attitudes in which we clothe ourselves. Paul is using this active word to paint a picture for his readers. In order for us to love people well and to not act like an ugly Christmas sweater, we must intentionally put on new and better kinds of actions. And again, I struggle with this every day. The kind of intention it takes to pick out a great Christmas party outfit or maybe some Christmas morning pajamas or, or, or whatever it is that you pick out. It's the same kind of intention it takes to live as God's chosen people. You don't just wake up each day with godly actions and avoid ugly actions. We make the decision each day how we're going to treat others, whether it be our friends, our family, our total strangers alike. Paul gives us a list of what kind of actions the Spirit requires. And the first thing that he says is to clothe yourself with compassion. Now the opposite of compassion is indifference. Indifference. Compassion is the ability to see the situation from someone else's vantage point. To feel what someone else is feeling. Compassion is what leads people to serve others or to give sacrificially to others. Compassion is the key to changing a broken world. Compassion takes a selfless attitude and results in people actually listening to one another. Jesus was constantly moved with compassion as he saw the people's needs around him. And every time, every single time, Jesus took action. Compassion isn't just pity or feeling sorry for someone without doing anything about it. Compassion instead is a stirring from our spirit that compels us to take action as a representative of Jesus towards others out of a deep care and genuine concern for the one in need. So, today, we can choose to not be indifferent and instead choose to put on compassion. Velcro is great. Let compassion absorb into you. Take on the form of compassion so that all people see is the compassion of Christ. Here's the second thing that Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with and that is kindness. Kindness is the opposite of, of meanness. We got our money's worth from this Velcro, Kelly. That is a mean ornament right there. It didn't want to come off. <laughs> Kindness sounds like a simple word. But it's a lot harder to actually live out. It's a lot easier to be mean. Because our flesh wants to be mean. Kindness is what happens when we're always looking for practical ways to, practical ways to serve others. Mowing a neighbor's yard. Mowing the church's yard. Buying groceries for a family under financial strain. Writing a letter just because you want to bless someone with kind words and the list goes on and on those are all acts of kindness kindness is saying the right thing at just the right time 
Kindness is also withholding words that would otherwise hurt. Kindness is taking action when you're in a position to make a difference. And I would venture to say that many of us are in a regular position to make a difference. Kindness is doing the right thing to positively impact those around you. I would encourage you to just look around for the multiple opportunities every single day to be kind to someone. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, not just the churchgoers, not just the brothers and sisters in the Lord, but to all people. I don't know about you, but I want people to see the kindness of Christ in me. The third thing that Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with is humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. It's this nasty old thing right here, pride. Humility, by the way, and you probably heard this before, is not thinking less of yourself, but it's actually thinking about yourself less. Humility is taking on the kind of mindset that Jesus taught us and modeled for us. Jesus came to serve and not be served. He came to give and to not take. He came to, he came to be, not to be as a king or a priest to be exalted, but he came as a lowly carpenter's son washing the feet of those he came to die for. Humility is the opposite of pride. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. It doesn't mean that you devalue yourself completely. It just means that you put yourself in the right order behind everybody else. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Humility then is the way in which the sin of selfishness and self-centeredness is overcome in our lives and the humble serving way of Jesus is made a reality in our, in our interaction with others. When people see you, let them see Christ's humility in you. This sweater starting to look a little more pretty. Fourth. Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with gentleness. Gentleness is the opposite of harshness. Gentleness comes from a word meaning controlled strength. Another word that we have heard before is meekness, which may rhyme with weakness, but it does not mean weakness at all. Meekness, and I preached on this several years ago, Meekness is strength harnessed. Hundreds of years ago, a horse trainer was known to meek a horse. Did you know that? Horse trainers back hundreds of years ago would meek a horse. What he would do is he would take a wild stallion and work with it to submit the strength of the horse to the will of the master trainer. A horse is strong. And a horse has great potential. But an unbridled horse and a wild horse is a dangerous horse. But a horse submitted to its master can offer its strength and use his strength for the good of his master. This word gentleness or meekness is not about weakness, but it's about power. It's about strength 
harnessed. And this harnessing power comes from the Spirit of God living in us, and it helps us to control our wild and fleshly impulses. Jesus was constantly using his power to help the helpless. I, I, don't, I have not read an example in, in, in the Bible when Jesus was on the earth where he zapped people for being ugly. He, he could have, but he never did. Instead, he healed the sick. He, he cast out demons. He raised the dead. He forgave sins. He harnessed his power for the good of mankind with the ultimate act of the power of his forgiving blood, his perfect blood, that he died for us and shed his blood for us so that we might be saved from our sins. Jesus was always helping those who couldn't help themselves. This was gentleness or this meekness that Jesus was living out in action. In gentleness, our actions express themselves in service to the weak and to the helpless among us. This is not a word that describes a wimp. Not at all, because Jesus was not and is not a wimp. What it does describe, though, is it describes someone who's not afraid to step into the brokenness around them and to represent Christ well. There's so many of us in this congregation, and I applaud you for being those sort of people that are meek. You step in. You make the difference. You see the brokenness. And you represent Christ well to those broken people. And I applaud you. Thank you. Keep it up. And the rest of us, let's join in if we're not doing that. I encourage you to clothe yourselves in strength harnessed. And represent Christ well to those around us. Gentleness. Much better than harshness. Here's the fifth thing that Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with, and that is patience. Patience. It's the opposite of impatience. Patience can also be translated into long-suffering. It means to put up with someone for a long time. I'll just leave that there. Lord, just help us right now. <laughs> Man, I know there's like people coming into your mind right now. Got it. Clothing yourself in patience allows you to love people who are hard to love and serve people who are hard to serve. I could just open up the altar right now and this place would be filled. <laughs> you know, the spiritual quality of patience is so important to become someone who looks like Jesus. Because spiritual maturity doesn't just happen overnight. I'll say that again. Spiritual maturity, it doesn't happen overnight. We even need patience to get spiritually mature, don't we? Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. It doesn't work that way. None of these attributes of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness or patience comes naturally to us. We must choose them and put them on daily. And today, at least by this ornaments declaration, I choose patience. Lord, help me to live this out. We have to clothe ourselves with all of these attributes every single day. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 14. Paul continues... He says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, 
put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against you, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive them. Beyond all of these things, put on what? Love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love. The opposite of love is hate. That's right here in the middle, and I did that on purpose. Love is the center, but also hate could be the center. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a favorite outfit, whether it be a sweater or some other sort of article of clothing? You've worn it for years. It's your go-to sweater. It's your go-to wrap that you use on those cold winter days. You know what I'm talking about been hanging in your closet for years, but also uh, all of a sudden you realize one day that, that you snag it. Oh, <clears throat> nothing like snagging one of your favorite outfits. There's this thread that's just hanging right there and it starts to stick out. So, so, so what do you do? It's threatening to pull it apart. It's a very strategic thread. Because kind of you realize as you're trying to snip it off, you're trying to tie it up, only to find that as you pull it anymore, the whole sweater could possibly become unraveled because it's, because it's the it's the it's the main thread that's holding it all together. This is a dangerous moment, folks. The moment you realize that that one thread is holding it all together, every thread is part of another thread in that favorite sweater that you have. The same is true for all Christians here today. All of these things that Paul says in these verses have one common thread. And that thread is love. He says above all else, above all else, put on and clothe yourselves in love because this action gives life to all the rest of the actions. They're all tied together with this one common thread of love. You cannot have compassion and not have love. You cannot have kindness and not have love. You cannot have patience and not have love. You cannot have humility and not have love. You cannot have gentleness and not have love. He says, above all else, put on and clothe yourselves in it. Love is the opposite of hate. Love connects compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience together. Without love, all these other attitudes unravel and they mean nothing. This Christmas season is all about a God who loved us enough to send us His own Son to save us. So with that in mind, doesn't it make sense that love would be the binding quality for us to love others? with all the rest of these godly actions. Amen? Love is not a noun. Love is a verb. In order to really love others, we have to put love into action. To move from ugly actions to godly ones starts with love. The word Paul uses for love in this particular passage is a very specific word. We've heard this before. It's the word agape. Agape love, it means a sacrificial love. Agape love is a love that will cost us something. The question is, are we willing to pay the cost to live with love? We cannot just say we love people. We must show we love people through our actions. 
If we're going to live with love this Christmas season, it must start with God's love. We must first realize God's love. He loved us first. John 3, 16 and 17. A scripture that many of us learned when we were children. For God, say with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. God Himself was motivated by love. You ever thought about that? God's love for you was so complete, so deep, so profound, that He chose to give His Son for you. He loves you that much. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 through 12 says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we loved, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That's a big old fancy word. It means satisfaction. It means atonement. It means He took our place. He became the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There it is. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. I need, we need the love of God to be perfected in us. And the way that is done is as we continue to love as he loves. We love others as he loves us. We love, we love in the love of Christ. Connecting all the rest of these attributes in that love. We have this incredible opportunity this Christmas season to love people around us in the way that I'm describing this morning. In loving others, we make God evident to a world who can't see him. Do you know that you're the only Jesus that most people will ever see? Are you being a good authentic representation of Christ to others in the way that you love. Because the mark of a Christian is someone who is dedicated to embracing God's amazing love for us and then allowing this love to overflow out of us to others. Love is action. So, with this in mind, I want to give you one more challenge. One more bit of homework for all of us to do. I want you to choose one person or maybe one family to offer sacrificial love, to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, patience, all these things that, that I'm displaying for you this morning, all bound together with the love of Jesus in the way that you treat them. Maybe it's a stranger, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a brother or a sister. But I want you to make an intentional decision to serve someone this week, this week and to love someone this week by taking action, by, 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 with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, with, with patience, all tied together with the love of Jesus. This is what I'm going to ask of you. Shane and whoever else can help out here, I need a couple of ushers here. And if you're watching this from home, you lose. All right, <laughs> come on. Shane, I need one more person, if you would, so very good. I don't know if you know what these are, but they're, 
In my world, they're called Chick-fil-A gift cards. I want you to just hold on to those for just one second, if you will. Here, here get some more here. Just make sure you guys are... I hope I have enough. This is what I want to do. Yeah, right. So here's what I'd like you to do. These are $5 Chick-fil-A gift cards. But they're not for you. And it's between you and the Lord. But I want these guys to hand out anybody that wants a Chick-fil-A gift card. Just one, please. Just make sure we have enough. And then I want you to find someone this week. And go ahead and hand those out if you will. Just raise your hand if you want one. And I want you to find someone this week. And I want you to intentionally serve them. And instead of just kind of going, don't leave it at a gas pump for someone else to pick up. Or don't be like that. I want you to intentionally connect this with Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Handing out a $5 Chick-fil-A gift card in the name of Jesus. See, this is not going to cost you anything. I'm not asking you to spend any money. I'm asking you to spend some time. But I'm asking you to act out the compassion and the kindness and the patience and the gentleness and the humility and the love of Jesus. What does that look like this week? Hand it out to somebody. A $5 gift card. Don't just be incognito about it. This is not an undercover Christian this time. Last week it was. This week, I want, you, I want people to know that this is from Christ. Okay? And if it opens up an opportunity, why are you doing this? Then give them a reason, okay? Don't just say Jesus loves you and walk away. It might open up a conversation. And then let that conversation be a conversation that introduces Jesus. Because Jesus is the reason for the season. Is it not? Is he not the reason for the season? If you, keep, you just keep your hands, continue to be raised, and just make sure we have enough here. Good. Yeah. If you want to get one from your, for your spouse, and you have to explain to him what's going on, okay? All right. We've got another hand up here. Shame we got one up here, buddy. Any other hands? Here's one back here. Leola needs one. Just keep your hands raised to make sure that you get their attention, okay? Here's one right, right down here. Keep your hands raised high until you get a card. So as you're holding these gift cards this morning, and as I say all the time, everything is connected to a soul, even a $5 Chick-fil-A gift card. Those can be just like tracks. Those little gospel tracks that you hand out. But you're the gospel track. And you're just giving it to people and saying, Jesus loves you. So what I want you to do is for those of you, let's all stand this morning. Whether you got a gift card or not, I want you to hold that gift card in your hand for those that, you have, that have a gift card. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to anoint those gift cards with the presence of Jesus. And as those people walk away with those gift cards or whatever words that you share, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will go with those cards. And as they're telling stories to other people, that it will take on a life of its own. And other people will be impacted. I don't know. This person came up to me and gave it to me and said, Jesus loves me. They're from Faith Church in Rock Hill. I want to go there. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to find out what they meant by Jesus is the reason for the season. I want to know whatever it is that you guys have said that the Lord will take as we plant and water and God will bring the increase. And that's what we've been called to do is plant and water and then God brings the increase. Amen. And then as they're using that gift card to buy that 
peppermint milkshake. Ooh, those are good. <laughs> or whatever it is that they're going to get, you know? Or maybe they're just going to pay it forward and give it as a stocking stuffer to their kids. Whatever. It's up to them whatever they want to do with it. But that these cards will take on a life of their own. And that only eternity will tell what difference we're making as we give these cards away. Right? So hold these cards up and let's ask the Lord to use them for His glory. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're infusing your anointing power in these cards and that you're, they're inanimate objects, but you can, you can infuse your anointing and your power and your love and your presence and the, and the good news of Jesus and the reason for the season of what Christmas is all about in these simple little pieces of plastic. But Lord, the words that are said and the, and the act of giving, that action of love that we're extending out to someone, a total stranger, a family member, a neighbor, a classmate, whoever, that, we would, that you would speak through us, Lord God, and let the words that we say be words that will impact their lives forever. And Father, we claim souls for your kingdom through these cards. Lord, let through these cards being handed out, let souls, not just one soul, but multiple souls, not just the person we're handing it out to, but a family. Lord God, a, 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 a group of people, as that person begins to, uh, as Holy Spirit, as you begin to work on their hearts and speak to them, that they're able to say it to some other people and say, I don't know what's going on, but there's just something here. Holy Spirit, just, just get all over them and let the reality of who you are sink into their souls, into their spirits. Father, let these gift cards take on a, an eternal life of their own and use them, Lord Jesus, for your glory. We believe that everything is connected to a soul here, and that means handing out these gift cards, and Lord, we're going to plant and water, and we're trusting that you're going to bring the increase. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.